أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله الحمد لله الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله ونشهد أن سيدنا وحبيبنا ومولانا محمد عبده ورسوله أما بعد The 15th of May is a day that is marked as globally it is marked as the Nakba day Nakba translates as a catastrophe Nakba translates as a tragedy Why is the 15th of May which is next week Monday inshallah why is it marked globally as Nakba day the day of the catastrophe the day of the tragedy because it reminds us of one of the greatest tragedies that this Ummah had faced and this Ummah had witnessed and that is with regards to the expulsion and regards to the exodus of millions of Palestinians from their home during the Nakba, the catastrophe that had happened in 1948. 1948, on the 14th of May, the eve of the 14th of May, 1948, the illegitimate state of Israel had declared themselves 
as an independent state. And it was then when they had declared Israel as a country of its own, as a result, they had expelled up to 750,000 people from their home. Two-thirds of the population, the Arab population, the rightful people of that land, were forced to migrate and were forced to abandon their home and were forced to leave their home. 530 villages were razed to the ground and completely destroyed. And that is the catastrophe that we mark every year. And it's very important for us to remind ourselves of that day. A very sad day in the history of Islam and the Muslim Ummah. But it's important that we keep on speaking about it. It's important that we keep on reminding one another about it. It's important that we speak to our children about it. It's important for that struggle to remain. Since then there has been a struggle against the illegitimate state of Israel and the illegitimate Jewish Israeli settlements and so on and so forth. It's important for that struggle against them to continue and that struggle will only continue if we remind ourselves of the struggle. And we remind ourselves of the tragedy that had taken place. It was such an enormous, horrific catastrophe that the Muslim Ummah had encountered that when you read about it, you learn about it, you are left baffled and you are left completely shocked and you are left in awe and in terror when you learn about the type of brutality and the type of treatment that the Muslims had suffered in that part of the world and the Nakba has not yet ended. That's the thing. The Nakba continues up to this day. The catastrophe, the expulsion of innocent people from their home, the destroying of homes of innocent people, and the brutality, the killing, the murder, the usurping of land continues right up to this day. It was not one tragic event that the Muslim Ummah had experienced and witnessed, and it is something of the past. It is an event that took place in our history and it is something that we read about and we think over and we don't experience it, witness it. It is something that is ongoing up to this day and age. Seventy-five years have passed and it has still been seventy-five years of the Nakba, the catastrophe that had started in the year 1948. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to ease the suffering of the Muslim Ummah in that part of the world. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give them the courage. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give them the strength. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to use us to be part of the struggle. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala use us really to be part of the Ummah in some way or the other to experience the difficulty and to feel for them and to think about it and to not live life based on the circumstances we experience in our community, in our country, in our masjid and so on and so forth. Because the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam reminded us in the hadith, there are two ahadith that I'll share with you before I speak of how we are to respond and to react. Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said firstly, Malam yahtam bi amrin muslimin. If you are not going to make the matters and the affairs of the Muslim ummah your personal concern, you are not going to make it your personal concern. It is not going to worry you. If the affairs of the Muslim Ummah, whether it's Sudan, we know what has happened in Sudan and what is going on in Sudan as well. Whether it is Sudan, the Muslim community in that part of the world, and 
the suffering that they are experiencing, whether it is the forgotten Uyghur Muslims of northwestern China, the Xinjiang uh, province, whether it is that community in that part of the world, whether it is our Muslims in India, whether it is our Muslims in Palestine, the Muslims in the land of Sham and Iraq, wherever else it may be, there are so many hotspots. Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa says, if you do not make they affairs your concern, you do not belong to the Ummah. Read as much Salah as you want, read as much Quran as you want, observe as many fasts as you want, perform as many Umrahs as you want. Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says there's more than that. I do not undermine that. That is great. That is good. We must do it. It's part of our deen. But that is not all of deen. That is not all of deen. Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa says if you want to be included in this ummah, we are one ummah. If you want to be included in the ummah, don't consider the ummah to be your community. Don't consider the ummah to be the Muslims of your country, the Muslims of your city, the Muslims of your continent. No. The ummah is a worldwide organization, a worldwide body, and you need to be part of that body. Every opportunity that you have to show your concern, to express your concern, in whichever way, you might not be able to reach them physically, but that does not mean you cannot show concern. It does not mean you can, you don't have to speak about it. It does not mean that you don't have to pay attention to it. Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, hold some concern in your heart. Hum, have hum. Be worried about it. Be concerned about it. At least that much. Don't forget about it. Don't ignore it. Don't feel that it doesn't involve me, doesn't affect me, or it's been happening for such a long time. What difference does it make? Rasul Sassim says, Have hum. Have hum. Have some worry. Have some concern. It must disturb you. We have seen what has happened over the past week in Gaza alone. In Gaza, the land of Gaza. Buildings are bombed to the ground. Innocent people living in those buildings. Children are living in those buildings. Just two nights ago, a five-year-old kid, a five-year-old child, died out of fear of what he was witnessing around him. Fear. Allah. Imagine a child dying out of fear. Consider that child to be your child. Imagine your child, you got a five-year-old child, you got a young child, a young daughter, you have a grandchild, you have a relative. Picture that to be your own child. Seeing bombs, missiles, buildings reduced to the ground, bodies. Lying all over the place. Have that hum, Rasul Sassim. Have that hum. There's not much you can do. You can't reach them. Maybe you don't have the financial capacity and ability to help them. Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, have hum in your heart for them. Have that worry for them. There must be a pain. Your heart cannot be at ease. When you see that and when you hear the news and when you observe the footage, there's something that must happen within you. And Rasulullah says, if there's nothing happening within you, if you are not concerned about it, I'm only concerned about my piety and my level of spirituality and my being. Then Rasulullah says, how can you call yourself and how can you consider yourself to be part of the ummah? All you are doing is you are involved in some ritual, performing ritualistic acts, the first hadith. The second hadith, Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, it is a hadith that we have heard of very often. Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has said, مثل المؤمنين في توادهم وتراحمهم وتعاطفهم كمثل الجسد الواحد. Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he compares the ummah, he draws a comparison between the ummah and a body, the human body. It's a, it's an amazing, thought-provoking. You know, the imagery is incredible when you think about this metaphor. It's a metaphorical analogy that Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam uses. He says, my ummah, with regards to the love that they have, 
for each other, the compassion that they have for one another, the mercy that they have for one another. My ummah is like one single body. Why is it like a single body? Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, إِذَا اشْتَكَ عُدْوُ مِنْهُ تَدَاعَ لَهُ سَائِرُ الْجَسَدِ بِالسَّهَرِ وَالْكُمَّةِ Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, study the anatomy, study the body, the physical body. When one part of the body suffers, what happens? When there's an infection, the infection is in one isolated part of the body, one part of the body. That's where the infection is. The infection is not found in the entire body. Or there is pain in one part of the body. What happens? That, the Rasul Sassan says the whole body suffers. The whole body reacts. The whole body responds, re- responds to that. How? The whole body now suffers from fever while the infection and the pain is only found in an isolated part of the body. But the entire body is suffering and reacting to that. The entire body is suffering from sleeplessness. It's not just that one part of the body that has the infection, that has the pain, that is suffering from sleeplessness. The entire body is suffering from sleeplessness. And the thing is, why does Rasulullah compare us to the body? Because the reaction of the entire body to what is happening to an isolated part of the body is a natural reaction. It's a natural reaction. You can't stop the rest of the body from reacting, right? It's natural. It naturally happens. The other parts of the body, that one single part of the body that is suffering does not have to call out to all the other parts of the body. It does not have to make an appeal to them. It does not have to plead to them. Let's look at my respond or react. It's a natural. It's a natural reaction. And that's why Rasulullah compares you and I to the body. The reaction should be a natural one. We should not be called, called upon and reminded. And there should not be an appeal made to us to respond. It should be a natural reaction within you. You naturally, you just naturally react without anyone telling you about it. You hear about it. And immediately there's a natural reaction. There must be a natural reaction. Then the Rasul Sallallahu says, you belong to this body. If you're not reacting, what does it mean? If I have a pain in my body, will the body of another person react? No. See, there's no reaction whatsoever. It's just another news item. It's just another topic of discussion and no more than that. It simply means that you are not part of that body. That's something really serious. Why am I not reacting? Why is there no natural reaction from my side? So these are the two ahadith that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam draws our attention to. Whenever we hear of a suffering and whenever we hear of a calamity that strikes a certain part of the ummah, we must react. So coming back to the opening comment that were made that on the 15th of May is Nakba day, the day of the catastrophe, the great tragedy that befell this ummah when millions of Palestinians lost their homes. There was one survivor and I just read his description of the Nakba catastrophe. He says, every single individual in those 550 villages of Palestinians that were completely destroyed had suffered. He says there were corpses of young women. Women, their corpses were found completely with their clothes ripped off their body and their throats slipped. There were young babies who were mutilated and their bodies were lying all over the place. There were rows of young men who were shot dead and executed on the spot. The young and the old were killed, brutally murdered. Two-thirds of the Palestinian population were forced to leave their homes. 750,000 of them were driven out of their homes. And as we said, the Nakba, the Palestinian catastrophe, that started in 1948 has not yet ended.
It continues right up to this day. It happened in the month of Ramadan. It happens on a daily basis. The abuse, the hostility, the killing and the murdering, the usurping of land and so on and so forth happens right up to this day. So our Rasulullah has asked us to react. How do we react? When Rasulullah says there must be a natural reaction, what is the natural reaction? Number one, we must make dua for them on a daily basis. Don't ever underestimate the power of dua. Imam Shafi rahimahullah, he says, do you mock at dua? Do you consider dua to be something insignificant? Sometimes you tell a person make dua. What's this make dua, make dua, everything make dua? He says, are you, are you considering dua to be something Something insignificant, something small. He says you have not understood the power of dua. And remember something, when it comes to dua, the acceptance of dua, the power of dua, the effectiveness of dua depends almost entirely on your level of conviction in the power of dua. The greater conviction you have in the power of dua, the greater your belief in the power of dua will determine the outcome of dua. If you're making dua, uh, but there's no real conviction that my dua will be answered, it will not be answered. It won't be answered. If that's the type of dua I'm making, I was told to make dua, so let me make dua. Oh Allah, help our Muslims, oh Allah, oh Allah, oh Allah, oh Allah, I made the dua. But I'm not convinced that this dua will reach them. It won't reach them. Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, Whenever you make dua, make dua while your heart is filled with conviction and certitude that Allah answers your dua. Then Allah will answer. Because if you don't have that conviction in the power of dua, then you are doubting Allah's power. You're doubting the power of Allah. So make dua as the dua will reach them. How it reaches them, who it reaches, that is not within our control. And you will not perhaps see the outcome of your dua. But perhaps one hungry child gets a meal through the dua that you made. You don't know. A life is spared because the dua you made on this side of the world. A home is saved. The honor and dignity of a Muslimah, of a Muslim woman is preserved. You don't know, but the dua reaches them. How it reaches them? In what form? What the outcome of the dua is? That is not within your control. Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he said, I have the ability to make dua. That's within my control. The outcome of dua, that's not in my control. So I will do what I have control over. And that is make dua. Number two is, we must develop a Spiritual connection to Aqsa. Every discussion and every dialogue around Aqsa seems to be a political one. Whereas Al-Aqsa is the third holiest site in Islam. If you look at Makkah and Medina, you will notice we have a spiritual connection to Makkah and Medina. Makkatul Mukarrama, Madinatul Munawwara. Many will be proceeding for Hajj soon. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept and make their journey a successful one and grant them Aqsa along the journey and accept every dua that they make and include us in the duas of the hujjaj. When it looks to our relationship, when our connection to Makkah and Medina is a spiritual one, not a political one. Unfortunately, our relationship and the discussion and the dialogue around Al-Aqsa is a political one. We need to change that. We need to develop a spiritual connection with Al-Aqsa. How do we develop that? The same way we have developed a spiritual connection with Makkah and Medina by visiting Makkah and Medina as often as possible. If you have the means, and whenever you have the means, go and visit Al-Aqsa. And the Rasulullah when he spoke about the connection of this Ummah to Aqsa, 
He spoke about that connection being a spiritual one. What did the Rasulullah say? He says, go and offer two rakat in Aqsa. Can you see? The relationship is a spiritual one. Rasulullah says, go and travel to Aqsa. If you have the means, do so, go. And at least go and offer two rakat of salah in Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. So the, the, the connection with Aqsa should become a spiritual one rather than just a political, historical one. The third aspect with regards to reacting to the ongoing crisis, not only in Aqsa but in every part of the world, is we must create an awareness and especially amongst the youngsters. Speak to your children about the atrocity. Speak to your children and educate them and let them know of the brutality that the Muslims are suffering in that part of the world. It's something that we need to keep alive. Sit with them and speak to them about the Nakba catastrophe. Tell them exactly what the Jewish people and the Israeli illegitimate state of Israel, what they had done to the Muslim children on the 15th of May 1948. Speak to them about it. Create that awareness. Let them know what had happened to the Muslims and what happens to the Muslims, especially in that part of the world. So that's the third thing that we must do. That is... The meaning of the hadith where Rasulullah says you need to react. Number four, in whichever way, in whichever form, we can assist them financially. Try your level best. In whichever way, whatever amount you can, you can contribute towards the Muslim ummah in general, wherever they are suffering. People say, people say, oh, I'm suffering from fundraising fatigue. Every now and again, there's an appeal. There's an appeal every now and again. If it's not for the Muslims in Sudan, it's for the Muslims in the land of Syria. If not the Muslims in Syria, then the earthquake victims in Turkey. If not the earthquake victims in India, and so on and so forth. And sometimes the person says, I'm suffering from this fun raising fatigue. Every now and again, I am asked to contribute, 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 understand something. Very often Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has kept your prosperity in the adversity of others. Number two, these are opportunities from Allah. When an opportunity comes to you without you asking for it, you haven't asked it, you're just moving along life's road and this opportunity comes your way. It is coming from Allah. When an opportunity comes to you from Allah and you have the ability, you have the ability to grab the opportunity and make most of that opportunity. Don't ever turn that opportunity away. Why? Allah will no longer send opportunities your way. Allah won't send opportunities your way because you are a man who does not do much with the opportunity that Allah sends your way. And you know what? If you do make most of that opportunity, guess what? Allah keeps on sending them to you. Why? You make most of the opportunities that Allah sends you away. So these are the four things we should just keep in mind when it comes to specifically the Nakba catastrophe that the Ummah continues to witness 75 years later, but also the general sufferings of the Muslim Ummah around the world, is number one, let us make dua, always make dua. Make dua with the intention and with the conviction that Allah will answer your dua. I'll say one hadith with you on that. Rasulullah says, when you make dua for another Muslim in the absence of that dua, why? Because that dua is driven by nothing more than sincerity. You don't know them. You probably won't meet them. You don't even know their names. But you're making dua for them. Allah answers that dua. Number two, let's develop a spiritual attachment to Aqsa. Rather than the dialogue and rather than the conversation around Aqsa only being a political one, let us develop a spiritual attachment to Aqsa as we have a spiritual attachment to Makkatul Mukarrama and Al-Madinatul Munawwara. Number three, let us create this awareness 
among, amongst the youngsters, amongst our children, especially regarding the events that take place in Al-Aqsa and in other parts of the world wherever the Muslims are suffering. And number four, let us try through the blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has granted us in the terms of material things of this world to assist and help the Muslims wherever they may be suffering.